0: Took his parents' wine business from three million to sixty million in five years. Now runs Vayner Media, one of the hottest agencies in the world, alongside being one of the most prolific speakers around and multiple New York Times bestselling author. Has an incredible personal brand. We all probably know him because of the Ask Gary V Gary Vaynerchuk.
1: <laughs> uh, I love you back, bro. Uh, thank you so much for such an unbelievable welcome. Uh, actually, we've been talking backstage and I guess I'm gonna actually see how you guys react to this. I, as I've been kind of prepping for this talk, uh, following the hashtag, following the momentum over the last couple weeks and now with such a warm welcome, I, I feel like I'd be doing a disservice if I kind of spent you know, the 73% of this talk on stuff that you've seen on YouTube or have seen me before do. So I'm of the mindset of possibly going into a complete hour of Q&A. Um, but I can also give a talk. I, I, why don't we do this way? How many people would like to start lining up and go into Q&A, see where that takes us and then I'll do a talk on the back end if, uh, if that's not the right direction. Show of hands. Yeah. And how many people want to talk? <laughs> Fuck, it feels very 50-50. <laughs> that totally fucking backfired. <laughs> Shit. Alright, why don't we do this? Why don't, why, don't, why don't we do this? Why don't I start riffing a little bit? Why don't, you, why don't the people that want to ask questions actually line up and start getting behind the uh, Behind the mics, and maybe I'll create some fucking weird Toronto hybrid of fucking (laughs) talk and Q and A, and take it from there. So, all right. So, let me start talking about some of the stuff that's interesting to me right now. I think that one thing that everybody in this room should be pondering, and one thing that I'm becoming extremely fascinated by, is that we. I'm fascinated by the fact that really, I'll be able to do this for the rest of my life and I'll be able to continue to build businesses that are successful and yet, it's just basically the same shit over and over. Which is, which is, if you go and dissect what I'm about to talk about for an hour now and go watch a 2009 talk, it's basically the same exact strategy. The only difference is, is that I've put in the time and the effort to understand the contextual differences of the places that we're actually paying attention to. So, if, that was 2000, if this talk was about how I built Wine Library in the beginning back in 2001, I would still be talking about the one thing that I think connects all of us, which is I don't care what you do here or what your ambition is to solve the world's problems, to start a business, to whatever it may be, a B2B business, a B2C business, a product, a service, the number one thing we all battle for and the number one North Star that everybody in this room should understand is it's all about attention. Attention is the asset. Once you have the attention, then what you say, what you do, what you put out, the creative, is the variable of you being massively successful or nobody giving a fuck, right? And so the thing that I've been doing is very simply not being romantic about where the attention is. I would have loved for it to have stayed on Twitter forever. I moved first, I moved best, I was one of the 20 most followed people on it, And had the world frozen in 2011 and stayed still and that played out, I would have been in a very nice spot. I didn't want to put in the hours from 1 to 4 in the morning figuring out Social Cam and Vine, which then gave me the strategies and the abilities to be good at Snapchat and Instagram video. But I always know that it is completely irrelevant everything I've done up to this moment if I want to be successful and if I want to be in a place where I'm blessed with the fact that people want to come and see me talk. So, you know, really it's quite scary to me. Well, I'm thrilled to layer on top of it but the punchline, and literally I could say this and leave because it's the only thing I believe in which is you need to understand where the attention is, the better your product or service is the more successful you're going to be because I promise you one thing, There's no marketing strategy or tactic that I'm gonna be able to tell you that if your product is shit, it's not going to work. (laughs) Right, so it's better if your thing is good, your wine store, your book, your sneaker, your SaaS product, it's better if your thing is good. However, the punchline of everything I believe in and the things that have given me opportunities to be successful is where is the attention right now that is underpriced? And that's a very important variable. TV and outdoor and billboards and Google AdWords and all this stuff, they still work. They just don't work as well for the time and financial allocation as the moment when they were in their prime. Facebook works ridiculously well right now if you're an actual practitioner of it. And in 36 months, it won't work as well because it will be more expensive to achieve the same exact result as you do today. I'm not spending time on Musical.ly right now for any other reason than if it actually pops and goes mainstream and ages above 8 to 12 year olds and becomes a platform, because don't forget, just five minutes ago, Facebook was only for college kids. If it does that, I want to have the land grab, the 100,000 followers I already have on a platform that's only 8 to 12 year old girls, you know, will turn into nothing for me, other than maybe go to fucking jail, <laughs> you know. <laughs> you know is is gonna turn into nothing for me unless it ages up. But what it does, I'm there and I win. My game is quite simple. I want to buy up beachfront property and build the best buildings and restaurants and homes. And as long as I'm right one out of three times, the ROI was positive for all the work. It blows my mind how many of you in marketing and business drew a line in the sand and did not want to start a Snapchat account earlier this year because you were scared the amount of time and effort that you would put into it wouldn't have a result for you when you have to realize that's the only thing you should be doing, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat on every platform until you have your moment of your arbitrage. I've had four to five significant moments of this day trading attention. It started in 1996 by actually even having a website. As I look around here, there's a lot of youngsters in the crowd. But for a couple of us that were around back then, in 1994, 5, 6, people debated if the internet was a fad the way we debate a new app being a fad. The whole fucking thing. My dad got made fun of by all his friends that we didn't open a second liquor store, instead we built a website. Right? That was the first being right about underpriced attention because $15,000 to build a website is a hell of a lot less than a million dollars to build a liquor store and that website generated $40 million in sales in no way would have that liquor store done that. That was the right rub. I did that in tactics by other moves including email. How many people in this audience have done email marketing in their career? Raise your hands. Wow, awesome. That was awesome. Um, This is gonna be even more awesome. In 1997, I had 200,000 people on an email newsletter that had 91.3% open rates. (laughs) Don't clap for me. I'm no hero. It was just a timing thing. It was because all of you assholes hadn't started email marketing yet. (laughs) Right? So so now that same email is bigger. It's been around for a decade. or two decades, and yet it's got 31.7% open rates, right? I mean, the the open rates is one thing, I think it had at one point like 59% click in the email to add to cart. It was unbelievable. We built the business on it. Then Google AdWords came along, right? I literally, thank God I wasn't making videos back then, I was like, this Google thing is stupid. Why don't they have ads on the homepage, (laughs) you know? But when Google AdWords started, I bought the word wine for five cents a clip because Back then, the minimum was 5 cents, not 10 cents a click. And I owned it for nine and a half months before anybody bid me up. And that was the arbitrage. Now that same term, wine, is a $4.37 word, right? It's, it's no different. It's, but there's millions of stories of me doing that where it didn't work out, hence Social Cam. Or if you're hardcore Web 2.0, how many of you remember Plurk, the thing that was the next Twitter, but it went this way instead of this way? It was fucking crazy. Anyway, And so basically my core moves were a website, an email newsletter, a Google ad campaign, and then for a lot of you, you may know this, my career took its biggest turn when three months after it came out, there was something called YouTube. I looked at it. I'm like, I think this is gonna be big. And within the year of YouTube being in existence, before any one video had ever hit one million views, I started a 20 minute wine show called Wine Library TV and It worked, it was the first time that content was driving sales for me. Weirdly enough, on a show where I was panning my own wines and it really changed the course of my career in many ways because it drug me more into the Web 2.0 world. YouTube sold for $2 billion, I got freaked out by that, I said this talent can do more for me, so I decided to invest in the next things that I believed in. In order, those three things were Twitter, Facebook, and Tumblr, that was good and um, and, and and that's how we got here, right? <laughs> it was very good. And so, and so, I might be able to buy the Jets good. And, um, and so, and so, and so that, I guess what I'm trying to figure out and what's the biggest legacy I can leave from tonight's talk is a couple of pillars of there are tried and true things that will happen forever. For example, what am I most, fearful of. I'm fearful that this room has a lot of fake entrepreneurs that are running companies that when the global economy slows down and they can't raise money that they'll go out of business because they're not actually building a business, they're building a product and really just a financial arbitrage machine and all their behavior is predicated on appeasing VCs who won't be there for you when you get to the next step, right? Thanks for the clap, bro. So that I'm worried about. And I'm worried about a lot of different things. The supply and demand of everybody doing the same thing. right? There's a million things I'm worried about or what are dangerous things for all of us in this room. What am I most in control of? I'm most in control of talking to you guys about self-awareness. And like what actually allows you to win. I know that one of the only things I do well because it's just true, only, one of the only things I do better than the market is I am intuitive of what people are gonna do slightly ahead and fast enough And it's really always backed by data. I love when people are like, you were so early on Snapchat. Yeah, after it spent a year on the top of the App Store, right? It's just that I'm willing to put in the work that so few others are because I view it as the cost of entry, not a risk move. And I'm stunned by how many people could go to a conference like this, know who I am and the other speakers are, and continue to poo-poo innovation changes because it's not convenient to your work ethic or how you're making money when you have the audacity to want to live the life that you actually want to live in this room. And to me, that's the punchline. Like, in a, world where, in a world where there's no fucking way you're here tonight in this room and you don't have massive ambition and you are seeing the world in a different way than the masses, don't go Get caught up in our bubble. You are seeing the world in a different way than 99% of people. I just don't understand when you're asking for the fruits at this high of a level why so many of you are not putting in the work. I have startups that I'm an investor in right now that have three months worth of money left, have no money coming their way whatsoever, the product is shit, they're out of business in three months, and they went to fucking Coachella. And so that to me is what's a very fascinating thing that I want to like figure out through Q&A or this talk or fucking email me. I don't know, but <laughs> we are living through a remarkable time where business people are people that people want to take selfies with. The entrepreneur has never been more put on a pedestal and this shit is going to crash down. It's just what always happens. And to me, I feel a massive sense of responsibility as a human being, as somebody who's benefited from it, to really talk about it because there's a lot of shit we're not talking about in our world. I have acquaintances, thank you. I mean, not to go Debbie Downer and I'll get out of this very quickly but I want to get this off my chest. I have acquaintances that are in deep depression and if you're paying attention to the tech business world, there's people that are committing suicide because their businesses are not successful and yet our entire world is saying anybody can do it, it's so easy, celebrating when people raise money. Congrats, you gave away a piece of your business because you weren't good enough to make money, fuckface. <laughs> Congrats. Like, we have totally, totally allowed the VC community to paint a certain narrative, and because it is now easier to go and start a company and raise money instead of going and getting a job, and by the way, I don't blame one youngster. Should I, A, go and work at a job at an entry level in the current ecosystem of the world and be treated like shit and not make a lot of money or should I be, go raise a bunch of money and do my own thing and be my own boss and seem cool and if it fails, there's really fundamentally no repercussion and I learned. And so we're in this very interesting time and so what I want to do in this room today is start having a far more interesting debate of do you want to win? Because let me promise you something. Being number 18 at Instagram made you a lot more money than being number one at (laughs) Insta-shit. And I think there's a lot of people in this room who are not putting themselves in a position to succeed because they either lack self-awareness or B, are just blindly following the narrative of the current ecosystem. And I want to suffocate the conversation to see if we can provide more value to our ecosystem because there are so many things that we are not talking about. I am thrilled through Q&A to give you the detailed ways to make Instagram stories provide you more upside if you sell homemade jam. Thrilled to do it. But I'm also pass, <laughs> you like that? That's a good one, right? Homemade jam's funny. and so. But I, but I equally want to challenge this hour that we have together to like level up the conversation because for, again, and I'm watching some of the people that have been around the block a couple times like I have, this is a foregone conclusion. This is 93% of the people in this room are working at TD Bank and Rogers in 18 months. And so there's a way to not do that. That way is called to become quite practical. That way is called actually build a fucking business. That way is called know what you're good at and surround yourself with the other things so that you can do the other two things I just mentioned. The problem is that shit is not as sexy to talk about. I'm here to fucking talk about it. That felt good. Let's mix it up.
0: What's your name? Yes, you're on. It's Ashley. Hey, Ashley. Saw you last week in Lake Placid. Awesome. And uh, apologize for almost tra- uh, railroading you in the trade show. Didn't know you. Were louder.
1: Louder. Sorry. No worries. Can you guys make this louder too or no? No? Go um, ahead.
0: It's almost slammed into you at the trade show, so sorry about that. No worries. funny because you were so busy on Snapchat, you didn't fucking notice. Yeah, I get it. So this is great. It's so um, weird. My question to you is, so I do um, television multi-club owner, all that kind of stuff, anytime, blah, blah, blah. Um, I'm starting a YouTube channel that I actually give a shit about okay. versus just putting content out. Yes. So, And I'm, I'm pretty sure a lot of people in this room are doing the same thing as me. So write all your books, have them, whatever. Um, what is the best piece of advice for me who's actually starting to give a shit about YouTube?
1: So when you say give a shit, <laughs> let's define that first.
0: So I'm putting the time in, relevant content, and
1: what would you like the content to do? Have people sign up for your gym? Which is great that you're running a business. Buy I'm Buy my book. Buy your book. Okay, so here's the advice I would give you. So is the book alive and real?
0: Yeah, it's on Amazon.
1: Got it. I would put out, I would take the first strategy would be to do everything you can to not get people to buy the book. The second you make the shift and think that you're not selling the book, but that you're building a media company that provides people value around what you wrote about, you will have a fundamental difference. It is stunning to me how many more books I sell than most people by spending as much time as possible of giving away the book for free. Like, there's no reason to buy any of my books, as a lot of you know, if you've decided to watch everything I've said for a year for free. So it's a time saver if you decide to go that route, but it is stunning, Ashley. Can I call you Ash? Great, Ash, <laughs> it, is, it is stunning how many people here bought my book at a sheer guilt and wanting to give back to what I gave them. How many people here buy my ship because of that? <laughs> and so I think if you're thinking you're doing a YouTube channel and producing content because you want to sell the book, you're gonna be selling and that's the quickest way to not sell something. Yep. And so I would just provide unbelievable content, force them to not need that book and that's how I would go about the content. Amount of people here that hold back the thing that they're trying to sell, that they don't realize that if they gave away that hold back thing, they would sell a lot more. Um, the other thing I would do is I would do a lot of Facebook video and run target ads against it. Yeah. YouTube's a great channel, it's unbelievable. It's highly competitive and very difficult for discovery and has, takes a lot of time to build momentum unless you're doing JVs with other YouTube stars. Mm-hmm. Whereas in a Facebook environment, you can get very narrow by spending fifty and a hundred dollar in ads to amplify the video that you made. So I would not, in twenty seventeen, have a YouTube only strategy with not complementing it with Facebook. Yeah. So awesome. awesome. Nice meeting. Yeah. Sure. It's on. Yeah. It's on. Yep.
2: Hey, my name is Rish. I uh, sell tele and web conferences. <laughs> I know that my products are the best in the country.
1: Because your mom said or you believe <laughs> it?
2: No, no, because, because of the the, the the data. Okay. Statistics, yep, statistics. okay. Here's a problem. When I go out and tell people that we have the best service, I know 100% that I do that. I was a former chef and I know that 100% that service, without service, your products can be great, but without good service, you will fail. Okay. How do I convey that to my to my clients or prospects when they don't believe me, when they're just happy with what they have and they're willing to pay like a little bit more?
1: by not spending any time trying to convince them. So, let's break this down. And again, if I'm gonna do Q and A, I'm gonna mix here between trying to give advice to all of you and then bouncing back to giving advice. So, the reason I answered that is at a, across this whole room standpoint, the amount of time many of you are spending trying to convince somebody who is not sellable to buy your thing is destroying your top line growth. I have always sold shit that nobody believed in, whether it was new regions of wine, whether it was social media, whether it was me. (laughs) I've always sold things that nobody believed in and by spending zero time, spending one second to audit if they believed in it and once recognizing that they didn't, moving on, it has allowed me to be far more successful. Now, specifically for you, there's a second layer question. If there's only 80 people in the world that could buy it, You don't have that many more to go to. So depending on how many people you can sell to, if you can sell to everybody or to a lot of people, you should spend zero seconds trying to convince somebody who is unsellable and keep trying to find the next person that is sellable. That's why both the businesses that I've run have grown in top line revenue very quickly. It's a very, very rare thing for some reason, but it, it brings enormous value. If you have 80 people or 150 people, Then you have to go in reverse and go deep as fuck, be patient as hell, and chip away on a human level because people buy from people. But convincing anybody on something that is subjective, because it's subjective, bro. Like You being the best at service is subjective. No shit you think you are. But I don't know if that's worth more to me than what I've got in place, and you know this, nobody likes change. If they have legacy infrastructure, the pain of change is always scaring entrepreneurs, people are scared of change. That's where all the money is. And so, that would be my answer. Okay. Yeah.
0: You say you don't want the Jets to win, right? What's that? You you,
1: you hope that the Jets don't win the Super Bowl, right? Yeah, I mean, for the people that follow my stuff, I secretly, probably, weirdly don't want them to win because I want to buy them and win it and it's just a better story for the Disney film.
2: Fingers
1: crossed if they don't. (laughs) Fingers crossed if they don't. Thank
2: you for the gentle words outside. Of course.
3: And if you care to go for a drink for five minutes later.
1: Are you hitting on me, bro? (laughs)
3: My
1: girlfriend wouldn't. (laughs) Respect.
0: Hey. Gary, Daniel. Hey, Daniel. So uh, I train salespeople. I have about 300 from relationship, action, bulls, lazy, D20 rule, and all that stuff and I got ideas coming to me all the time. Daniel, we should do this. Daniel, we should do that. Yep. We're gonna increase by doing this. I, I went yep. to this event, we should apply this. So I guess my question is, is, how do I build that core group of people I actually listen to to apply those principles to move our business forward? Because I got 300 you know, questions coming my way of how we should do things. How would you build your core group and who would you listen to?
1: I don't listen to anybody. <laughs> and all I'm being right. dead serious, okay. but I equally listen to everybody. And so I know that's an interesting contradiction, but the truth is you're asking me how to make a decision in its yeah, raw, rawest yeah. form, and the truth is your success needs to be predicated on how you make decisions. Like my whole life is taking in data at scale, and then how I synthesize. How many people here work in big data? Raise your hands. So for the few of you, like I'm so fascinated by big data, right? It's such a buzzword, everybody's talking, but it's, big data is not the punchline, what you do with the data is the punchline, right? So like how you synthesize or interpret it is the punchline of big data. I don't know, bro.
0: Do you, do you care that if that person has a good track record or a bad track record in the I sure don't.
1: Michael Jordan sucked on the Wizards.
0: Okay. <laughs> it's true, <Yeah.
1: laughs> and do you have That was board? good, I do like that. A, Gary, I've never used be that before. one before. Okay. <laughs> Gary. I fucking hate Michael Jordan too. So that's perfect. Do you have a core group yourself? No, man. I would tell you the, I would tell you that my biggest flaw and I and I don't think of this as a cool thing. I don't think my lack of mentors or my leaning on others is cool. I don't. I just know it's me and I'm unable to break me. I just don't want to listen to anybody else. I just don't and, and I swear on my life I do not think that that makes me great or awesome. I genuinely believe it's a flaw and I think that there's a lot of things that I'll, I'll learn at 45 and 52 and 57 that I literally could learn tomorrow over a drink. It's just I don't want to.
0: Thanks, man. Never change, yeah. bro.
1: Thank you, bro. Hey, man.
3: Hi. I'm fascinated by your film, uh, short documentary, Document Not Create. Yes. And I love imitating you, like, with facial expressions and stuff. <laughs> okay. so I'm going to ask you a question. <laughs> I'm going to ask you a question as Gary Vee. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> right, everybody? <laughs> you look at Beyoncé today. You look at Barack Obama today. (laughs) You don't look at how much work they've put in their game. You can tell me I work smart. I don't work hard. I can tell you something, asshole. I work (laughs) smart and hard, too. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. So, uh, I started this project called What Would You Do? (laughs) What Would You Do If You're Not Afraid? What Would You you Do If what? What? If you're not afraid, yeah. 30 days challenge documenting myself based on your, you know, connecting yep. to what you were yep. created. Um, what would you do if you're not afraid? I'm asking you the question. Yes. And then if you like it, I would love to challenge everybody here instead of just go and become lazy to, for 30 days, document what they're doing. And we create a sh- documentary in about all of the good stories that were being created. And I love you so much, Gary Vee. I love you, for sure. So, what's the question? <laughs> <laughs> the, qu- the question is, what would you do as Gary V today, today? <laughs> if you're not afraid? You know,
1: it's interesting. I, I, I'm gonna tell you something. This is a very, I'm, I can't believe I'm gonna go there. So, I, I got really lucky. I'm, stunningly unafraid in my lane, right? Like one of the things that I implore so many of you to really debate, why I preach self-awareness and I don't speak to how to find it because I don't think I know. I think you need to talk about the shit you know. Here's what I know, it's fucking important, right? How you get there, I don't know. I think there's a lot of hard wiring, I think there's a lot of parenting issues, I think there's a lot of other people that can tackle that issue, but the reason I almost feel like I never, I'm like living life completely unafraid is it's, I won't go out of my comfort zone, my lane in business and this. Like if this was 40 million people, I'm so cozy because I'm talking about my shit. If they gave me a piece of paper to read to you right now, <laughs> I would shit my fucking pants. <laughs> because I can't read. Like, like I'm being dead serious with you. Like I'd be like, the, you know, like I mean it's not that bad but it's pretty fucking bad. Um, <laughs> When I think about like, like I've genuinely thought about this based on this question. I've been having this weird idea for the last two or three years to actually go out in public naked. <laughs> Let's do it. I think it's the scariest thing. No, 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 I'm not doing it. But. <laughs> <laughs> bro, bro, that's the easy part. <laughs> so. I don't know, I don't, look, I don't know how to answer it, but here's what I can tell you. I think, I think that, I think it's actually more interesting to have a conversation of how do you put yourself in a position that you're actually never afraid. That if you close your world and you believe in what you believe and you stay to the shit you know, like what then starts to happen? Because what starts to happen, at least from somebody who I think has been really executing this for a little while now, you start getting confidence completely because you're just there. You know, I don't, and more importantly, way too many of us, something happened to me three or four years ago, I started getting very quiet in environments where I didn't know what the fuck I was talking about. So when I go out with friends, I think we all, there's something I still to this day, and I'm almost done with it, it's almost fully out of me. You know, how many t- Think about how many times somebody said to you like, hey, you know this, right? And you're like, uh-huh, and you have no fucking idea. <laughs> I do that all the time. 10 years ago and I've been chipping away at it and it's been liberating and unbelievable. And I would tell you that when I go out with friends or couples with my wife and we talk about healthcare or politics or science, I get real quiet. I, me, could go through a whole dinner being like ridiculously quiet which is fucking insane. And I would tell you start becoming more black and white about get deeper and better in the shit that you know and what comes natural to you and get real quiet, don't feel a need to have your two fucking cents on every fucking thing in the world.
3: So so are we starting the documentary challenge to ask those people to document what they're working on for 30 days and I will make an awesome documentary out of it?
1: I think you asked, that's on them.
3: So guys, I'm asking you (laughs) for 30 days No hesitation. to document what the freaking you're working on and not be scared and we're gonna make an amazing kick-ass documentary about it for thirty days. But don't, but
1: don't do it unless he sits the rest of this talk without a shirt on.
3: Oh, so I should stay the rest of the talk without shirt.
1: Yes, in a seat though. You need to get out of the mic. You've okay. taken up too much time.
2: <laughs> Thank you, everybody. You're welcome. Hey, Gary. My name hey. Is Rick. Hey, Gary, my name is Richard. Uh, hey, Richard. My daughter's 17. She's going to a meeting tonight with my wife Yes. to discuss with her school, uh, her university options, what she wants to do. She's incredibly courageous, marketing mind, communications mind. I'm taping you right now, and I'd like you to talk to her like she was your 17-year-old daughter in terms of how she should consider her university career, how she should maximize that experience to prepare her for the world that you see she may be entering into.
0: Oof.
1: Um, So... Her
2: her name is Kiara.
1: Kiara, I have no idea what's about to happen, but it's about to get interesting, Kiara. Here's what I would say, Kiara. I would tell you that there's not a school on earth, not a university or college that exists that is even remotely equipped to educate you properly on communications and marketing in the world we live in today. So, (laughs) I have no interest, Kiara, to get... Mom and Dad mad at me, <laughs> but I would tell you that here would be my four-year strategy. I would go to university, especially. Is she going here in Canada?
2: She's she's talking about NYU. She's talking about San Fran.
1: Is she collecting debt, or are you guys paying for it? I
2: think she's just enamored by big brands.
1: But is she going to pay for college?
2: Yeah, well, we're, yeah, we're paying for it. So
1: she's not collecting debt.
2: Oh, well, yeah, I apologize. We're paying for it, and yes, yeah, she's gonna have to collect debt along the way.
1: All right, Kira, you're gonna have to have a weird conversation with your mom and dad. <laughs> because the first thing I'm passionate about is for you to not have any debt. Because if you're gonna go to a business that is gonna sell you a shit product that you are then gonna pay compounded interest in that you can't even declare bankruptcy to get out of, that's called extortion, fucked up, fucking crazy ass shit. But, but, Kira, if that number's not that high and you can get some other things that drives down that cost, the second move would be to take your last four-year vacation of your life, hook up a whole bunch, <laughs> have, or, or not a, you know, depending on your own radar, Kira, that might be one dude, seven. That's on you. Don't let them judge. She's a nice good Christian girl. I'm now. sure she is. <laughs> and If you want to learn about marketing and communications, spend a lot of time online and consume relevant 2017 content from people that are actually doing it, not professors that are so not practical and so romantic of how it used to be that I've traveled the best universities in the world and have literally thrown up all over myself, while I've been prepped to talk, listening to the horseshit that those professors are shoving down these kids' throats.
2: Thanks Gary. You.
1: You're welcome brother, love you. <laughs> all right, let's calm it down. There's a fucking naked dude.
4: Half naked, very <laughs> good. I'm going to try to imitate you and like have an accent so it's kind of difficult. <laughs> Understood. But, <laughs> but you are my role model for business and for confidence. I want to tell you Thank that. you very much. And um, I provide a service. I help uh, product-based businesses grow their business faster and make more money. Okay. And my question is around calls to action for people who provide a service. Okay. I'm already really focusing on providing a lot of value in everything yes. I do. Blog, post, video, etc. And uh, you were saying before that um, you, don't, you don't convince people like to buy what you have. I have like big packages, I have smaller packages. So calls to action yes. when I provide value.
1: So calls to action for you of the organizations or for when people land on those per- people's websites like from a UI UX standpoint?
4: Uh, for me, for example, when I do a Facebook Live and I provide yes. like the biggest tip for product pricing. Yes. And at the end of that video, I want to have a call to
1: action. Understood. To I, I'm not against that. And I think we all, you know, a lot of this is macro and micro conversation. For example, a lot of you know that I don't ask for anything and then every two or three years when a book is on sale, I get very right hooky and I'm asking hardcore and I'm basically asking for you to like not pay your mortgage and use it to buy the book, right? So what's really been interesting in doing that now three times is I forgot and even, it's, you know, it's funny, I almost kind of want to forget because it's so disheartening, I spent two years just <laughs> really giving and then I start selling in a three month period but I forget that somebody might have just got into my ecosystem and I haven't had the chance to provide that upfront value. Look, this is a business. You know, the, a, a lot of people and uh, how many people here are familiar with Jab, 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 Right Hook? Cool. <laughs> So when I wrote Jab, 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 Right Hook, a lot of people thought that I wrote it for the people that didn't understand to give, 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 and then ask, right? People thought that I was pushing the jab because everybody was asking. The ironic thing was I wrote that book for the people that didn't know how to ask. I had so many friends that were providing value and they would like hit me up. And they're like, I'm doing everything right. I'm like, except you didn't ask for any business. So I would say that there's a lot of ways to do it I would say you should ask for the call to action but I also think that you should be strategic about the call to action. For example, when you can put in your copy a link to a landing page that does it for you instead of you yelling it over and over at the end of the video, you're in essence asking for it. I would be very strategic about what your social media profiles are linking out to. I'm always changing that. If you if you know, again, a lot of you know this, I say this to you, don't listen to what I'm saying, pay attention to what I'm doing. There's a reason I'm changing the URL in my Twitter and especially my Instagram because the attention's there over and over and over. And literally if you want to know what I most give a shit about, it's the URL that's there right now. Whether that's a piece of content or whether that's the book or my search engine or whatever it may be, a wine, that's what I care about at that moment. And so I would give a lot of thought to what you don't have to do that the technical infrastructure allows to do for you. Got Thank it? You.
0: Thank you. Yeah, you got it. What's going on, Gary?
1: Things are awesome, bro.
0: That's not my question, but I just want to know what's up. I know, you, uh, you actually <laughs> have your
1: question written on your phone.
0: I, well, on, on, oh, on I paper? Know. Yeah, I
1: know. You should I'm sell that on <laughs> eBay, it's like rare.
0: So, um, my name is Daniel Bielak, and you actually walked into a podcast that I was doing um, at VaynerMedia. I can't remember if you remember, but I do. Uh, I just wanted to quickly give a shout out to. You mean the
1: other D-Rock. day in the new? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah the other in day, the new yeah. office. Yeah, I remember.
0: Um, and uh, wanted to give a shout out to D-Rock because the Friday before that, I don't know if he told you, I was actually kicked out of your office. And so I want to thank you for inviting <laughs> me back and having that interview. Yep. Um, but I was wondering at the end of every podcast I do, I ask this question. Okay. What's your definition of empowerment and can I come take a selfie with you on stage?
1: You can, so you oh can gosh. do that.
0: Now. Okay.
1: I think empowerment, uh, you know, I haven't really thought about my definition of empowerment. I think one isn't, be careful, don't die. Um, I think, I think, how are you? I'm doing good, bro. Good to see me. you? Ready?
0: Yeah. Oh yeah, we should go on the other side.
1: <laughs> You're a piece of work. You're a piece of work.
3: Oh, 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 oh.
1: Listen, listen. Get out of here.
3: Um, can
1: do one
0: without
1: him? Yes, we can do one without him. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. So you got, it, brother. I think. I think. I think one is empowered when they are at complete peace with their decision making. It is stunning to me how not scared I am about anything I do, nothing. I, because I think that when your intent, if you are able to push your intent to a pretty pure place, and let me explain what I mean by this. I'm not fucking some Sherpa, Mother Teresa type character. <laughs> Here, here's, here's what I think I am. I think I believe in, I think I believe in, you know, meritocracy and the game, and if you're better than me, I'm pumped for you. See, I think the problem is so many people want to win at somebody else's expense without understanding that there's so many variations of winning and every one of us has a totally different definition for it. And so, for me, this has been so easy, this journey, because my intent is pure. I want to build the biggest fucking building in town. I want to win, number one. Most money, most impact, best, best looking, you know, whatever, all that. But... I want to do it by actually doing it. I want to build the biggest building by building the biggest building. I see way too many people wanting to build the biggest building by tearing everybody else's buildings down. (laughs) And so I feel empowered because I feel like it comes from a good place and I don't question myself. I don't ever worry about it. I know what I'm doing. I'm doing it for a good reason. I'm human, I'll make mistakes. I'll own the shit out of those mistakes if I make them. VaynerMedia, every one of its problems, my fault. You want the riches that comes along with it, you better take the shit that comes along with it. And so, I think it's intent. When you've got your intent in the right place, I think you're empowered. My man?
2: Thank you so much, bro.
1: You got it, my man. Good to see you.
2: Hey, Gary. I just wanna thank you publicly for uh, fitting in on my birthday on February 26th. I I requested on Twitter 26 seconds of your time and your team made it happen, it was awesome. But I wanted to ask you this question. It was too cold outside that day and and you were on your way to a game. So, I run a creative uh, studio, creative agency, and I know that you have, I think it's 600 plus person agency now, obviously, three or four locations. Um, My question 705. 705, all right. (laughs) you got to keep updating the bios everywhere. I get it. Go ahead. So my question is, you never really talked about how you how you would go from, like, you know, two or three people, five people to 500, right? It's a, it's a huge, uh, it's a dramatic shift. What, what would be, like, your key hires or your key strategies from, there's so many solopreneurs here, individual yes. entrepreneurs. What's the gap between the, one I and think the, I
1: think the biggest difference between me and a lot of my friends when I audit what they're doing is too many of you that have your own business want shit too soon. Too many of you take money off the table. I built my dad's business from a three to a $60 million business but quicker I built it from three to 30 in three years. I was 25 years old, a lot of my friends went to good schools, got good jobs, made 100,000 a year, got a BMW and I was paying myself $47,000 a year and living in a shit apartment because I was investing it to build a foundation. Too many people in this room want to build a business but are taking too big of a salary or taking profits interests to buy a fucking watch. Maybe you can go on one vacation, not four. Rick, and so, (laughs) <laughs> and so I think, I think there's several differences. I think I'm dramatically more talented than everybody in this room in selling, so that helps me grow faster. I think I give a fuck way more about people than most people in this room, which allows me to have continuity of team and care about HR. So for me, the way I built my companies are HR and sales and not taking money off the table to buy dumb shit. Cool.
2: Thank you.
0: Hi Gary, my name is Michelle. Hey Michelle. Um, Since I've been waiting in line, you answered pretty much every question that was rolling through my head. Awesome, nice meeting you. Next, oh oh, sorry, (laughs) sorry. So I was just wondering if I can come up there and get a selfie with you. For sure. Because I love you so much. I love
1: you so much. Cool, who's next, what's up man?
5: Hey there, James again. Hey man. uh, I'm the host of the Dynamo Show on Rogers Television. Awesome. That's not what I'm gonna ask you about. But it was a tremendous
1: plug and let's clap it up for the hustle.
5: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I like it. Straight up, I have four friends that have died from drug overdoses. I have one friend that's died from gang violence. I spent time in prison. I resonate with Dan's story. It brought me to tears. Yep. I ran out and gave him a hug. And uh, first off, I want to thank Giovanni for bringing you and the rest of these amazing speakers. So my question is, I'm um, looking to open up a ranch for at-risk teens. Okay. Um, I do everything from spending full days with kids that have attempted to commit suicide. I work with a gang exiting program in the Jane and Finch region. And uh, they need a permanent facility. Yes. Uh, I found a facility. It's $2.6 million, I could probably buy it for $2 million. I need to do a $1 million raise okay. from social media, your professional opinion. What's the best and most effective way to do that?
1: Well, I mean, look, a lot of the Kickstarter platforms are out there, right? You make the video, you get the emotional play, you get the right one or two funders, it creates virality. The problem is that's a 1 to 3% chance, right? But I still think you should do that. I think you, you, know, you can definitely get somebody to create, I'm sure there's three people that will raise their hand now to do the video work on that project, and away you go. There you go, the dude with no fucking shirt, of course.
5: 30 days, baby, 30 it's days.
1: Ca- anyway... With
5: their clothes on.
1: (laughs) Clothes off. Um, Here's what I would say. I would say you should do the following. I I think you should do enormous amounts of homework on the people with Dan's profile, the tens of thousands of people that can associate to that story and I think that you should make a video and I think you should email it to them and I think you should do that to 10,000 people and it should be specific to them which would mean that it will take you the entire year. I guarantee you'll raise the million dollars versus what everybody else does, which is hope that somehow it works out. Look to do it by not spending an entire year and putting in the work. And so I think you should go home, map the 10,000 most likely people to give you between 5,000 and one million, literally the ninth person you ask that is a high net worth individual that connects with your story may give you the million in one shot. But I think you've got to do the scaling the unscalable. Go read the profiles, go look at the 100,000 richest people in Canada or the world. Google search it out all the way through. Figure out the 1,500 people that most map. Send them a very direct contextual to them. The amount of people that spam me without any context. No romance. They just want shit from me, right? It happens to all those kind of people every day, so you got to give them something different. You need to be thoughtful about the headline that you email with. Don't do cliche shit. I get 900 emails a week that say, I'm gonna help you buy the Jets. That's an automatic delete, right? So you need to be clever and smart and that's how you'll raise it and you'll raise it within one year if you do it that way. Money in the bank.
5: Thank you on, you on got behalf of the boys we are gonna help.
1: You got it, man. Hey, and bro, and bro, yo, and, and I'm in for 50K. Fucking A! Woo! <laughs> Let's move it. Let's move it.
5: Hey Gary, my name is Jamal.
1: No wonder Oprah does that shit. (laughs) That felt good. (laughs) My name is Jamal. Jamal.
5: Uh, Gary, my question is, um, you talk a lot about uh, how uh, giving people their time back is really powerful and important. Yes. And I read an article you wrote about how virtual reality is gonna be the next big thing in the next maybe five to seven years, such as like the iPhone or the internet. And so my question is, which industry do you think is gonna utilize virtual reality the most in terms of saving time? And what are you looking for as an investor in a virtual reality business?
1: So, I'm not sure. Uh You know, just like I believe that the internet was gonna be the platform that we lived our lives, I definitely believe that something like VR is where we're gonna live our lives. I think in that article I talked about five to seven years before we saw the beginning stages and the article was more predicated on it's coming but way too many people think it's coming now. There's a lot of people investing in VR and think in 24 months we're all gonna be walking around with headsets, it's not happening. We're just so far away from human behavior on that level but over 10, 15, 20 years if we're in contact lenses, I mean, things change very quickly you know online dating 10 years ago was the most taboo weird shit ever now 98% of this room is swiping to the right right so 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 i would say left oh, you're you're pretty you're tough <laughs> fuck so so i would say that i don't know because when i knew the internet was going to be a big deal i didn't know it was going to be limo services hotels and bookstores that were going to be addressed first i don't know um but I know that I'll be looking out for it. I think the thing to think about is not so much which companies to invest in, but where are the opportunities. Like, what do we do now that requires us to leave our apartment that VR may be better than our cell or the internet? Whether that's shopping, because we can see the product on us. I don't know what it is, but I promise you this. For the people in here that haven't started thinking about the VR process, your parents and grandparents thought the internet was a fad. They thought it would be the weirdest thing ever that you met somebody on a computer and decided to marry them. Right? They would think it's insane that you buy a tomato through a computer device if I told you that in 1985. So, there's a lot of change. The answer is, I don't know how to answer that question other than I will tell you this, you're young as fuck, right? If you believe in this, you should get very educated, go to every meetup, read every article, don't jump to conclusions, don't be impatient like all your contemporaries. Learn, make relationships. If you want to make money on VR, you can make it, how old are you? 19. 22? 19. 19? Dude, you weren't alive when I launched WineLibrary.com. <laughs> and I need you to understand that. You have so much time. If you were just patient for the next 19 years of your life and built the foundation to make the money on VR, you would still be two years younger than me right now. So I promise you, don't try to figure out something that hasn't been figured out, react to what it is figured out and use the leverage you created in this next seven years to be able to be in a position to react in a fruitful manner. Thank you, Gary. What's up, my man?
0: Gary? Yes. Thanks for
3: everything, thanks for your time. My question is, what is your biggest challenge right now, and how can I or we help you overcome it?
1: That's very sweet. Um, no. I uh, first and foremost, another flaw of mine is I have no interest in anybody helping me do anything. <laughs> it's a very immigrant kind of like it's like the most vis like I almost punched you in the face for that question. <laughs> like it's so weird. It's so weird that that's so like it's it's visceral to me. Um, I think my biggest challenge is. <sighs> That's weird, right? So I, I think my biggest challenge is I'm like a fat kid with cake. Right? Like I have big eyes. I think I can do everything. Right? I have so much energy. I have so many ideas and wants. And I'm so attracted to doing 947,000 things at once. I've proven to myself multiple times that that's how I lose on a micro level. Um, I don't know, man. This, you know, as you can tell, like. I'm sure I have tons of challenges. I think the punchline is I'm just not sure what they are. Yeah. Okay. It's way deeper than you think. Unwind that one. <laughs> I, I, don't, I know I have a lot of them. I just don't think it's smart to spend so much time on them. Which then makes me feel like I don't have any. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'm, I think so. Like, I'm, I, like, Thank you so much for the question, but I'm like, I don't know. We all have challenges. Like, I don't know. Like, my ankle hurts. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I don't. But do you know what I mean? Like, like I think my friends. I think dwelling is a disease. I think complaining is a disease. Like, if I I can't even allow myself with the gratitude that is running through my body to articulate. To an audience that's actually spending their time paying attention to me, that I have some challenge. Whatever challenge I have, I made that fucking bed and I'm gonna sleep in it.
3: Okay, how about the business side?
1: I'm cruising. That's the fucking, that's the easiest part of all time. The business side is the only thing that, that, that to me is fucking, fore, do you know what a foregone fucking conclusion is? <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Thank you. Cool, thank you. <laughs> Hey, man. Hey, Gary. Uh, my name is Seon. Seon. Say yes.
0: It's no-yes spelled backward. That's how you remember oh, yes. it. Like a random brown name. You're not going to remember it, right? Respect. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what I love most about you is besides the motivation, hoorah, you give such actionable advice. It's like one, and this, this feeds into my question. About a month ago, a switch
1: flicked in my head. It was like, wow, I got to be helping people on a regular basis to build that leverage. And that comes from you just keep continuously pounding 51 Fifty-one forty-nine.
5: 51